Hello, and welcome to Work Well with Stephanie Wolf, brought to you by the Whole Food Health Coach LLC, where we make your goals our goals, and you're never alone on your wellness journey. Experience the information, inspiration, and collaboration of our Coach in Your Corner partnership. My name is Stephanie Wolf. I'm a National Board Certified Health and Wellness Coach and proud owner of the Whole Food Health Coach in its ninth year. Five-time winner of Best of Gwinnett Award in Endocrinology, Diabetes, and Metabolism Practices. Rachel, Sherry, and I invite you to visit wholefoodhealthcoach.com to set up your 60-minute healthy living assessment. WorkWell is dedicated to your personal and professional health and wellness. I offer examples from my own life, health, marriage, family, and business. I share my research, my opinion, and my faith designed to bring you compelling content, engaging challenges, and practical body, soul, and spirit support on your wellness journey. WorkWell comes to you from my personal desire to live long and strong with passion and purpose, die of old age, and help others to do the same. Together in partnership with Dr. Katherine Wigman, Georgia MD is a direct primary care clinic located in Swanee, Georgia. Dr. Catherine operates on a monthly membership fee and does not take insurance, which is the whole mission of uh, the Georgia MD. So I'm excited. She is my primary care physician as well. I got her phone number and I can contact her directly. So today, from living rooms to boardrooms here on Business Radio X, you're listening to Work Well with Stephanie Wolf. I love to start my segments with a funny story. And today, I have one called Paper or Plastic. At a checkout counter, a bag boy asks, paper or plastic? The customer says, I don't care. You pick one. Bag boy, I can't. Customer, why not? Bag boy, because baggers can't be choosers. (laughs) All right. A little play on words there. But um, if you've been listening to this podcast, then you know that each week I seek to offer you inspiration along with my information. I encourage you to challenge yourself, change something, improve something, let go of something, pick up something, start something or restart something. This has been an amazing year. And since January, we've talked about new beginnings and how to start things over again. Always listening to that. You don't have to wait till January to listen to that. February, Heart Health Month. In March, the Marvelous Marriage Marathon Month. In April, we did some spring cleaning. In May was Women's Health Month. In June was Men's Health Month. In July, Aging Gracefully. August was Back to School and Personal Development. September, we fall forward with self-care. And in October, it was all about relationships. And here we are in November. And this whole month, I'm going to really dedicate to the clean concepts and actually probably in through December as well. So clean concepts, if you haven't heard, that is my program that I work with my clients through a phase, um, three-phase program. And the CLEAN acronym stands for the C is character and core values, the L is lifestyle, E is exercise, A is attitude, N is nutrition. So our CLEAN concepts always fit those five um, categories. And today, in this month, we're going to be looking at attitude, how we think. A happy, positive, thankful, grateful attitude will lay a firm foundation for success in life. No matter what happens, your attitude about it will help you to believe, achieve, dream, create, hope, and smile. How you think and how you fuel your thoughts will open doors. A bad attitude is like a flat tire. I can't go far until I change it. 
A positive mental attitude promotes physical, mental, and emotional wellness. Choose healthy input to fuel your mind. Attitude is a little thing that makes a big difference every day. Now, I love talking about attitude, and I love talking about choices. And our healthy input has a lot to do with whether or not our attitude stays clean and positive and um, is able to help us move forward. So I have a little story to start with. A little boy was overheard talking to himself as he strutted through the backyard. Baseball cap in place, tote and ball and bat. He was heard to say, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. Then he tossed the ball into the air, swung at it, and missed. Strike one. Undaunted, he picked up the ball, threw it into the air again, and said to himself, I'm the greatest baseball hitter ever. And he swung the bat again at the ball and missed. Strike two. He paused a moment to examine the bat and ball carefully. Then a third time, he threw the ball in the air. I'm the greatest hitter who ever lived, he said. He swung the bat hard again, missed a third time. He cried out, wow, strike three, what a pitcher. I'm the greatest pitcher in the world. I just had to use that one today because of all the baseball fun and everything that's going on um, out there in baseball world. So I thought that was a really good one because I love that little hitter or uh, pitcher, whichever way he was looking at it. But he was looking at it from a positive side, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. So like I said in the opening, an attitude is a little thing that makes a big difference. You've heard the saying, whatever doesn't kill me makes me stronger. Most of the people that are in my world of Stephanie Wolf Ministries and some of my speaking thinks that I actually came up with that, but I did not. It's been around for many years, but I certainly have lived it, so I suppose it could be mine. Helen Hayes said at 73, the hardest years in life are those between 10 and 70. I totally agree with that. And then uh, I love this. Janet Barber said, I refuse to think of them as chin hairs. I think of them as stray eyebrows. So again, it's back to how you see things and how you think about uh, life in general. So attitude, how we think. And I guess you've probably noticed that our attitude is not automatically good. There's something that we have to do, and there's a lot of ways that we do them and protect our attitude. So a good attitude can actually disappear in seconds, can it? Have you ever had that happen? So it can be just fine, and then without a moment's notice, it sinks into oblivion. Someone offends us or an unpleasant circumstance comes along. Where did that good attitude go? Well, it's strange. We could say, I had it just a minute ago. Have I been robbed? And attitudes can be stolen. And, and if you were robbed, then who's the bandit? Arrest them and put them behind bars. We must recognize the real thieves, though, when we're ready to lock somebody up. Um, put them in the lineup and see who the real culprit is. We usually blame other people for our attitude or loss of attitude. and um, But the truth is, another person cannot control our attitude. We are, you know, so, you know, really, it's up to us, so how could it be someone else's fault, is what I say. But if there is a lineup, then I guess I better get in it, because it might be me that has allowed that uh, attitude to disappear. And, and I think it's good um, if a good attitude turns up missing. I think it's really good that we understand that it could be the neglect of the steward who's in charge of it. So you may have been robbed, but what did you do to protect yourself or 
protect your attitude. We all protect our investments and our possessions and our valuables. We buy security systems and alarms and locks and lights and dogs and even hire a security guard if you have a lot of money to protect our things, but pay little or no attention to one of the most important possessions that we have, our attitude. So the Bible says in Proverbs that it actually lists seven deadly sins, pride, covetousness, lust, envy, anger, gluttony, and sloth. And those are all matters of attitude. That's kind of inner spirit, the heart motives, the heart thoughts. And the Gospel of Luke talks about, uh, in chapter 15, tells the story of the prodigal son. You may have heard about the prodigal son. And uh, the older brother in that story is often overlooked. I think we often looked at the story of the prodigal and see only one son. But you will, if you remember the story, there were two. And one was away from the father in the flesh, or physically away. And one was away from the father in their heart, or spiritually. The older brother's heart, or the older son's heart, was filled with a far deadlier sin. The younger was guilty with the sins of the flesh, what we're talked about when he ran away with the money and used it all on all kinds of things. And then the older son that was stayed behind and was with his father was really guilty of sins that probably would have more impact um, on the rest of his life, like attitudes like envy and pride. And um, and probably what comes first is self-importance and some of those other things, followed by self-pity and then anger, bitterness, and hostility. And all those things can really be harmful to our attitude and really to the success of our life. So bad attitudes are sometimes hard to shed, probably a little harder than physical um, shortcomings or physical failures. And certainly they're not as visible, I suppose, to the world. But attitudes can be poisonous, and they certainly can bring death. And attitudes can be contagious, too, like bringing um, health or sickness. Either way, it can be contagious in, in both directions. And attitudes can either be medicinal or deadly. So I think uh, often we can lose our good attitude when we face a storm. And that's kind of what I'm going to talk most about um, in this first part of the segment that I'm going to share with you today. So it's really about the storms and what do we need to know when we lose our attitude in a storm? So our attitudes are often attached to circumstances. Like, I don't like it when it's cold. I don't like it when it's rainy or wet. And I'm thankful for umbrellas and my raincoat that can protect me from some of that wetness. But I'm talking about the storms of life. So you find good circumstances and you'll find your good attitude. And But sometimes that attitude goes away when the circumstances change. So right where you left it might be. Circumstances give you every reason sometimes to have a bad attitude, but ultimately, it's our choices that determine our attitude. Not what happens to you, but it's how you handle what happens to you. So we all have good days, and we all have bad days, like my friend Alexander and the terrible horrible, no good, very bad day, written by Judith Vorst. It's one of my favorite books, and I really love to read it to children because we all know what it is to have a bad day. And Alexander is certainly having a horrible, very bad day. 
no good, very bad day. <laughs> so he says, I went to sleep with gum in my mouth and now there's gum in my hair. And when I got out of bed this morning, I tripped on the skateboard and by mistake, I dropped my sweater in the sink while the water was running and I could tell it was going to be a terrible, horrible, very bad day. At breakfast, Anthony found a Corvette Stingray car kit in his breakfast cereal box, and Nick found a junior undercover agent code ring in his breakfast cereal box, but in my breakfast cereal box, all I found was breakfast cereal. I think I'll move to Australia. In the carpool, Miss Gibson let Becky have a seat by the window. Aubrey and Elliot got seats by the window, too. I said I was being scrunched. I said I was being smushed. I said... If I don't get a seat by the window, I'm going to be car sick. No one even answered. I could tell it was going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. At school, Miss Dickens liked Paul's picture of the sailboat better than my picture of the invisible castle. At singing time, she said I sang too loud. At counting time, she said I left out 16. Who needs 16? I could tell it was going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. I could tell because Paul said I wasn't his best friend anymore. He said that Philip Parker was his best friend, and Albert Mayo was his next best friend, and that I was only his third best friend. I hope you sit on a tack, I said to Paul. I hope the next time you get a double-decker strawberry ice cream cone, the ice cream cone part falls off the cone part and lands in Australia. There were two cupcakes in Philip Parker's lunch bag, and Albert got a Hershey bar with almonds, and Paul's mother put in a piece of jelly roll that had little coconut sprinkles on the top. Guess whose mother forgot to put in dessert? It was a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. That's what it was, because after school, my mom took us all to the dentist, and Dr. Fields found a cavity just in me. Come back next week, and I'll fix it, said Dr. Fields. Next week, I said, I'm going to Australia. On the way downstairs, the elevator door closed on my foot, and while we were waiting for my mom to get the car, Anthony made me fall where it was muddy, and when I started crying because of the mud, Nick said I was a crybaby, and while I was punching Nick for saying and calling me a crybaby, my mom came back with the car and scolded me for being muddy and fighting. I am having a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, I told everybody, and nobody listened. So when we went to the shoe store to buy some sneakers, Anthony chose white ones with blue stripes, Nick chose red ones with white stripes, I chose blue ones with red stripes, but then the shoe man said, we're all sold out. They made me buy plain old white ones, but they can't make me wear them. When we picked up my dad at the office, he said I couldn't play with his copy machine, but I forgot. He, and he said to watch out for the books on his desk, and I was as careful as I could be, except for my elbow. He also said don't fool around with his phone, but I think I called Australia. My dad said please don't pick him up anymore. It was a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. There were lima beans for dinner and I hate limas. There was kissing on TV and I hate kissing. My bath was too hot. I got soap in my eyes. My marble went down the drain and I had to wear my railroad train pajamas. I hate my railroad chain pajamas. When I went to bed, Nick took back the pillow he said I could keep and the Mickey Mouse nightlight burned out and I bit my tongue. The cat wants to sleep with Anthony, not with me. It was a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. 
My mom says some days are like that, even in Australia. I love that little story, and I hope you did too, because sometimes self-pity can get the best of us and really can make us focus on that terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day that comes every now and then. But self-pity will not help our problems go away. What happens to your attitude when everything isn't coming up roses for you? Most of the time, our action is, or our reaction, is to develop that poor attitude. And maybe we feel like we need to provide a visual sign to the world around us that things aren't going well for us so that uh, others might feel sorry for us. So we cry or stomp or yell. And if we allow our circumstances to determine our attitude, we'll be tossed around by the storms of life. And when things are going bad, we slip into a bad attitude and we tend to make bad decisions, which in turn can lead to bad circumstances. So which then again leads to a bad attitude, which leads to, well, you get my picture. So with the truth um, of this matter, really we want to focus on the right things. So the truth of the matter is when the situation around us leads to a bad attitude within us, then we are headed for a tailspin. And the only way to pull out of it is to go up, like an airplane that ends up in a tailspin. They say, full throttle up. So that's what we're doing. We're going to full throttle up. Are you ready? So hopefully you've been making some notes because I'm going to give you a few more things to write down if you have. So what really matters is what happens in us, not what happens to us. And for the most part, we have no control over what happens to us. But we can control what we can control. And that's what happens in us or what we do with what happens to us. So you've heard my marriage testimony before, and a lot of my life has had some storms in it, definitely. And I've learned a lot of things through them, and I'm still learning a lot of things through them. But I'm learning how to obey, learning how to be unselfish, and um, and have that unconditional love and forgiveness. And that's a big part of what relationship is all about. We talked about it last month. But there's some enemies out there, the enemies of our soul, and they'll often show up during those storms of life when we're down and out, or maybe we're not paying attention to what's real and what's true and what's good. And we might get preoccupied with the storm and don't even realize or recognize that there's a thief that has stolen our joy and is running off with it. So enemies usually will kick you when you're down. And, um, and the sad thing is enemies don't fight fair. So let's talk about three things uh, that you should know about storms. And these are, there's probably a whole lot more, but obviously that with the time frame, I'm landing on the three that I came up with for our discussion today. So first one is you are not alone in the storm. So even if we go with that airplane and pilots uh, analogy that I just pulled into the story, the pilots are extremely knowledgeable, yet even the most experienced pilots know that they cannot rely solely on their knowledge or even their experience to fly the plane. They must rely also on the air traffic controllers and others like them who see the big picture. Because as the pilot, they can only see where they are and the storm that they may be in. But the control tower can steer them safely through the storm because they see it all. 
air traffic controllers know where your plane is or that plane is, and they know where the storm is. So as long as the pilot values the wisdom of the control tower and follows their instructions, then he's going to have a much greater chance, or she, of um, the victory over the storm and being able to navigate and unless they've tried to do it on their own. And obviously that could be more dangerous. So, and re- even relying on their own instruments could be dangerous as well. So the pilot is not alone in the storm. Someone is watching over them and there's a team of people making sure that they make it through that storm. And I'm thinking about that because I'm flying out of town tomorrow. So now as I'm saying that, I'm like, okay, wow, pay attention to that. Um, but the thing is, there's a lot of people in your life. So you are not in the storm alone. We can't do this thing on our own, and we were never meant to. Our Creator planned it that way. We need Him, and He sees the big picture, and we only see our little speck on the map and where we are, but He hasn't lost sight of us, and He never will. We are safe as long as we stay connected with Him. And we need others as well, and that's why I'm leaning into this whole um part of you're not alone because we we need to see maybe what we can't see and it's harder to see on the from the inside out whereas other people can kind of see things that maybe we can't see and we need to listen to them and learn from them from those especially that have our best interest in mind and that way together we can navigate the storm safely number 2 is realize that you cannot control the storm don't fret over things you can't control You can lose your good attitude quickly if you waste precious energy over circumstances that are beyond your control. Computer crashes and IT issues and other people's choices and the weather and the government, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? So don't waste time. Conserve energy. Use that time and energy wisely. Don't let the thief wear you out by boxing at shadows because that's really all they are. If it's things that you cannot control, so much of our life we spend worrying about things that we can't change. So we've got to look at what we can change and what we can control. And um, and definitely the storm is not one of those things that we can control most of the time. Number three is storms don't last forever. So number one, you're not alone in the storm. Number two, realize that you can't control the storm. And three is storms don't last forever. Bad days can be followed by good days. So keep looking for the good days. And um, don't focus on those bad days like Alexander got himself focused on that really, 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 really bad day. And everything kept lining up uh, to the fact that he thought it was going to be a horrible, very bad um, day. So I've walked through a lot of storms in my life, but I've walked through a lot of storms with my clients. And many times it's really not the size of the problem or the issue that's the um, that's most difficult, but the length of it that makes it so hard to bear. So sometimes if it's quick and painless, that's uh, still pain, but the length of it might be a little more complicated and much more 
um, difficult to bear. So the length, um, and that's why I said storms don't last forever, but sometimes it feels like they are. But that's when we need to remember that we're not alone and reach out until the storm passes and then be ready to help someone else in their storm because that's what this is all about. It's not like us trying to make it on our own and we wouldn't expect someone else that we love to try to make it on their own so we can be around for them and they are around for us. In Galatians 6, 9, it says, don't lose heart in doing good for in due time we shall reap if we do not faint. So not quitting and just knowing that the seed that we sow is going to reap that harvest eventually. And so don't lose heart in doing good. And then, you know, Jesus calmed a whole storm by saying, peace, be still. And that's a scriptural verse, but we can also say that to ourselves. Sometimes I just need to say to my racing heart, be still, you know, peace, be still. So that that storm can at least um, reside, you know, that resides in me, that can be diminished in some way, um, and then I can get a hold on things again. So hold steady, um, patiently wait, and then while you're waiting, keep your eyes on the author and finisher of your faith, not on the problem. A lot of times we focus on the problem, and I know that's easier said than done, So, but it's no less true. We can't be... Um, focused on the problem if we want to find a solution. So we can, uh, I, I believe we can be uh, easily swayed and tossed if we're not anchored. And faith is my anchor. So I that's one of my core values. And I'm grateful for it because it's an anchor that holds in the midst of a storm. In Hebrews 12, uh, verses 1 and 2, it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And I love the word fixing. Um, maybe it was written by a southerner, um, fixing. But it's really more about fixing our eyes on the truth and um, and what really matters in this life. And honestly, sometimes my eyes need fixing. Sometimes they need to be recentered, like we talk about a lot of times in um, just in life in general, you know, the recalculating that our GPS needs to do sometimes. And when we're in the midst of a storm and maybe we can't see as clearly out the windshield, and thank God for that GPS that we've got there. So leaning into um, these three points and knowing that you're not alone and that you can't necessarily control the storm, but you can control your actions in the midst of it. And then storms don't last forever. So when you're in the middle of a storm, it might be hard to remember remember this truth. And that's why I say we need each other so we can be reminded of that because sometimes we get tunnel vision and we all see the problems instead of the solutions and we focus on them and we tend to see them more clearly if we focus on them than if we're focusing on the truth and the answers that we're looking for and looking further down the road than at this um, complication or situation or storm that we're in right now. So it seems like sometimes that it will never end. And we start saying negative things to ourselves and we start seeing and feeling the negative feelings. And like, it'll always be like this, or I never get a break, or I knew it was going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. So storms come and storms go. We seem to forget that the sun was shining yesterday and it will shine again and again and again. We may not be able to see the sun for all the clouds, but it is still shining. And next week, um, when we get together, we're going to talk about the thieves that come in and steal from us a good attitude and then how we can reclaim our lost and stolen goods 
uh, from those thieves that come and take our good attitude away. So in my closing thoughts today, I want to say life begins when excuses end. Today is the beginning of anything you want. So decide what kind of life you really want and then say no to everything that isn't that. You've been listening to Work Well with Stephanie Wolf, brought to you by the Whole Food Health Coach LLC, where we make your goals our goals and you're never alone on your wellness journey. And Dr. Katherine Wigman of Georgia MD Direct Primary Care Clinic in Swanee, Georgia. Any procedure or test that can be done in the office is included as our after-hours visits. Dr. Catherine has been my primary care physician through my membership the past two years, and I'm delighted that we are now partners in health. Go to georgiamddirect.com to see this amazing membership might be for you. And as always, for information about the Whole Food Health Coach, our corporate wellness programs, virtual classes, or our individual coaching programs, go to wholefoodhealthcoach.com. Our coaching is available virtually anywhere in the country. I'm Stephanie Wolf, wishing you well personally and professionally. See you next time live or on your favorite podcast channel. Until then, choose life.